50,000? Okay, 50,000, good guess. Here's the answer. Wow. You're not, not that far, far off. off. You are not that far off. But if you think about it, like $58,000 in terms of a Taiwanese business for a fast food restaurant, the number of people that have to go through the you restaurant for them to operate to, is to cover that, right? astronomical. Absolutely astronomical. Anyway, next question. All right, so night markets are a big thing that attracts visitors to Taiwan. And in 2014, Fengjia Night Market had the highest revenue it's ever had. In the subsequent years, it's kind of been on a decline, but uh, in 2014... this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? He was a man who helped make history, and some believe he might have gone on to do even more if only he'd been allowed to. He won multiple decorations, the respect of his generation's greatest military minds, and even the moniker Rommel of the East. In the end, though, the career of General Sun Li-ren was cut short, and the general would spend decades under house arrest, just another victim of Taiwan's authoritarian past. He's since been vindicated, though, and he's certainly never been forgotten. One of the places where the generals remember today is a busy restaurant and reception hall. At first glance, it's kind of a strange place to remember a great general. But this was General Sun's home for eight years that changed the course of his life, and maybe history too. The director of the General Sun Li-ren residence joins us today for a look at the man behind the medals. Sun Li-ren was born in 1900 in China's Anhui province, as Imperial China neared its end. Generations of his family had advanced far in the imperial examinations, and like those who'd gone before him, he received a classical Chinese education. But he was born into a China that was changing. Foreign powers preyed on the country, and new foreign ideas were also in the air. He was still an infant during the Boxer Rebellion, when foreign troops marched through the country and forced China to pay steep indemnities. As a young man, he went to a university founded with money the United States had taken from China and then given back. This university also sponsored Chinese students to further their studies in the U.S. And so Sun went to Purdue, where he got an engineering degree. It might have been the start of a decent engineering career. But engineering wasn't at the front of Sun's mind. By this point, the old imperial order had been overthrown and the new Republic of China declared. But on the ground back home, things were much more messy than they looked on paper. Warlords ruled large areas of the country by themselves, and the foreign threat was still there too. Sun wanted to do something to help his country, and he thought he could do more in the military than he could as an engineer. So he got into the Virginia Military Institute and graduated, infused with some ideas then a bit unorthodox back home. On his return to China, still in his 20s, Sun was put in charge of anti-smuggling operations, helping enforce the widely flouted rules put in place by the Republic of China government. 
His success left officials impressed. Those under his command were well-trained, well-equipped, and well-disciplined. In an age when corruption and laxity were not uncommon, Sun's anti-smuggling brigade was a stronger force than a lot of regular military units. Later, he'd formally join the military and would continue to impress with his successes. For some years, he continued rising through the ranks, finally reaching the rank of general in his early 30s while fighting a war against Japan. While living abroad, he'd picked up some new ways of thinking, not all of them military. Before leaving for the U.S., he'd been put into an arranged marriage, but on his return, having been exposed to ideas of love marriage and living in liberal Shanghai, his thoughts about marriage changed. While at a social dance, he met another woman who he would take as a second wife. By the 1930s, the threat of foreign attack became real. The Second Sino-Japanese War broke out. The conflict would later grow into the Pacific War. Sun fought and was wounded. He was sent to Hong Kong for treatment, because then the city was still a British colony and Japanese forces had yet to march in. Also, the colony had better medical options. So he recovered. From there, he was posted to another British colony, Burma, along China's southern border. Burma was critical to the Chinese war effort because Japan invaded many of China's coastal areas, blocking access to supplies from the sea. Burma was a kind of back door, and the famed Burma Road kept supplies flowing from the outside. His performance in Burma won him admiration and respect. The director says he trained up an army of young Chinese men kept from school by the war and turned them into a formidable force. He once rescued a contingent of allied British troops from a much larger Japanese force. He not only won victories, but also helped salvage the reputation of the Republic of China soldier at a time when outsiders saw them as corrupt and weak. Eventually, Sun had to move from Burma into British-controlled India, but by the war's end, he was back in China, in the southern city of Guangzhou. With the war's end, foreign and domestic accolades poured in, and he was invited to celebrations of the war's end in London and Washington. Many of his old classmates from the Virginia Military Institute were by this point important generals, and he had their admiration. MacArthur and Eisenhower both respected him too. While he was away joining the celebrations, though, China was thrown into turmoil once again. Now, with the foreign threat gone, old animosity between Chinese communists and loyalists to the republic erupted again. One area that was in danger was the Northeast. The communist Lin Biao threatened to make it a base of his own, armed with leftover Japanese weapons and supported by international communists. The Republic's commanders bungled the response so badly that President Chiang Kai-shek had to send an emergency telegram calling Sun back home to take charge. Not too long after his return, Sun had routed Lin's forces and sent them packing. But here, personal jealousy and the fractious nature of the military kicked into gear. When it came down to it, Sun was an outsider. 
In the military of the day, there were two cliques based on which military school one had gone to. Sun, of course, had been trained abroad, and so he belonged to neither. He also had no tolerance for the indiscipline and corruption that still plagued the armed forces. In an organization that valued connections over competence, he had no chance. He was stripped of his command and sent to Taiwan in 1947. The island had only recently been acquired by the Republic. It had been an old imperial province, but it had been taken by Japan before the Republic was founded. And the Republic wouldn't take it until after World War II. Once the conquering general, Sun was now just in charge of military training. The new post was an ironic choice, though no one at the time could have known it. As the director sees it, at least, Sun's removal from the front lines helped seal the Republic's fate. Under less competent leadership, he says, the Republic's hold on the country collapsed, and in two years, the Communists had driven it off the Chinese mainland completely. Taiwan and a few other small islands were all that were left, the last stronghold. According to the director, many historians have said that Sun might have turned the war around if only he'd been left alone to do it. On Taiwan, Sun spent eight years in Taipei, living in the building that now bears his name. During his time in Taipei, Sun's fortunes took a turn for the better. The director says Sun had the respect and trust of the U.S., not least because he'd been trained there. The U.S. said that Sun should be put in charge of the Republic's army. After the disastrous finish of the war against the communists, the Americans had far less confidence in leader Chiang Kai-shek. But Sun's good fortune would not last. This was a time of high paranoia in Taiwan. Communist agents were thought to be everywhere, and besides this red scare, there was fear at the top that the U.S. might back some kind of coup. Then-leader Chiang Kai-shek, at least, seems to have thought this would happen. At the time, foreign-backed coups weren't exactly uncommon, and the U.S. fondness for General Sun made him a suspicious figure for the leadership. So it was rather convenient for the leaders when the Red Scare just happened to catch up with Sun. There was no evidence to tie Sun to communists, but this was a period of Taiwan's history called the White Terror, when things like evidence weren't needed anyway. Next week, the director of the General Sun Liren residence will be back with us to tell us what happened to General Sun. We'll also hear about the story of the residence that bears his name today. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Stroke of Light, a portrait of Taiwan through the eyes of painters, sculptors, filmmakers, and photographers. Welcome to Stroke of Light, I'm Jake Chen. Last week, we got a first glimpse at the ongoing solo exhibition of Ryuji Aikira, a Japanese multimedia and sound installation artist. Aikira has put together a number of very impressive displays here in Taipei City. 
In one of the largest exhibition rooms of the Taipei Fine Arts Museum, Aikida-san is looping a short video. We briefly talked about it last week. The footage, albeit somewhat short, contains a large number of symbols. It sometimes shows a mosaic video that looks like a beating heart, and sometimes it shows the footage of the explosions on the surface of the sun. And later on, the entire screen gets filled with what looks like codes for computer programs. It is hard to put my finger on just what exactly Aikida is trying to express. The first thing that comes to mind when watching this video is the amount of energy that I feel as a viewer. The screen is over 10 meters tall and about 30 meters across, so sitting in front of such a colossal display, the images appear to be absolutely and overpoweringly impressive. I feel like a very small entity swimming on the inside of a person, witnessing his or her heartbeat at a very close distance, and other times I feel immersed in either a computer or that I am floating in the universe, seeing stars and comets collide against one another with explosions happening all around me. In short, the experience is similar to watching a science documentary in an IMAX theater, except the footages are all highly abstract. The core theme of Aikida's exhibition is how intertwined different disciplines such as mathematics and philosophy can be. These two are seemingly two separate academic disciplines, but once we take a closer look, it's clear that Aikida has taken inspiration from theories in both areas. In another showroom, Aikida has laid out another series of artworks and understandably on a much smaller scale. We see an array of platforms in a totally dark room. A screen is installed on top of each platform, and on each screen, we see a different graphic, where lines and blocks constantly morph and transform in and out of different shapes. According to the literature of the exhibition, these changing shapes are the graphic representation of formula where constantly changing figures affect the outcome. Kind of like when we see a simple one such as 2x equals y, the value of y changes as soon as the value of x changes. But Aikida's formula are of course much more complex, and since he has incorporated not just mathematical formula, but codes and complex calculations used in computer programs, as I see it, the artist is trying to help us visualize the language from a different dimension. This is the kind of answer to the question, if computers can draw the codes, which is the language they speak, what would it look like? And as it turns out, what it looks like is mighty impressive. Rows upon rows of screens glow in the darkness with constantly changing graphics that looks like extraterrestrial code at first glance. The cryptic appearance of the graphics makes the already eerie atmosphere in the room even more palpable. It is as if the exhibition hall has gotten colder and we are all stuck in an alternative universe while trying to make sense of what is conveyed through the lines and shapes. There is so much more to unpack and that we can explore in the works of Ryoji Aikida, 
since his canvas, or shall I say screens, are filled with lines and shapes that poses more questions than they give answers. But perhaps that's the charm. Perhaps the questions themselves are important enough in that they open our perspective to a dimension that has not been previously explored. It takes a bold mind and a strong understanding of the computer language to make such creative visuals, and Aikida certainly has these qualities in spades. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Stroke of Lights. I'm Jake Chen, and I'll talk to you next week. together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast. And this is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. It's so weird having you sitting across from me, Ellen Chu. Well, we have to look at each other now. (laughs) We can do it face to face. Face to face. Oh, it's Isn't beautiful. Isn't that a good view? It's. I think it's a great view. I don't know about you, what your view is yeah. like. <laughs> you know, it's always a good distance. When you see each other, it looks beautiful. You yes. Know, distance. Yes. Because okay? usually we're sitting next to each other. And bumping each other, and like elbow fighting to for elbow. Space. And, you know, tangled in line. The cords from the uh, ear, earphones. Exactly. Headphones. It's yeah. just a mess. Okay? I like this new setup, Alan Chu. I could get used to this. Really? Could but you I get thought, used to this? I thought they're going to change the council. No. No, they're not going to do anything? No, they're done. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> we're having a little renovation in the studio, and it kind of, well, it didn't go too far. Okay. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. What we're talking about today, Ellen Chu, is... I want to avoid it because, you know, whenever I hear bamboo... Remember we talk about, you know, <laughs> bamboo shoe, stir-frying beef? Pork. Pork, right. Yes. It's kind of like... A nightmare for all the all the Chinese or Taiwanese kids or adults. That's right, because it sounds like bamboo sticks are going to be spanking you and shredding your meat. Exactly. <laughs> so when I see the word bamboo shoot, I'm just like, ah, freaking out. Well, don't worry. I, did, I didn't shred any, but I did ch- chalk, chop up big pieces. Really? Does that oh. sound scary too? Okay, so it's the chilled salad. It's the chilled salad. I love the you? chilled salad. So the title of today's show is called Bamboo Shoot Salad. Okay. Um, And the reason why we're talking about bamboo shoots is because we have a season called White Dew, uh, which is beginning tomorrow. It's a two-week micro season. And we don't really get white dew in Taiwan. But um, we have honeydew and mountain dew. That's right. Hey, maybe I should have put honeydew and mountain dew in this. Well, mountain dew. That's mountain a soda. Dew. It's a soda. Oh we have it in God. Taiwan now. <laughs> but I know. Can you, but can you imagine that in a, in a salad with bamboo shoots and honey melon, honeydew? Yeah, Mountain Dew. That sounds... I know. Pouring, right? pouring the soda over those right. vegetables thing, and fruits. But the the other day, a local Taiwanese asked me the question, 
What is the difference of Mountain Dew and Sprite? Mountain Dew and Sprite, the, the color.、Taste. Oh. The taste. The、What? color? Mountain Dew is white, right? No, Mountain Dew is like a yellow, yellowish. Lime green. It's like really bright,、okay. neon colored. So, what's added into Mountain Dew to make it Mountain Dew? This is way above my pay grade, Ellen Chu. I don't think I can answer that question. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Okay.、Um, do you know the difference? No. Actually, I just kind of like went into my memory bank because I don't really drink Mountain Dew, but、mm. I think it's a little bit sweeter. Okay. But I don't know what they add. Um,. Sugar <laughs> or honeydew, caffeine <laughs> or mountain water. <laughs> no, mountain, see, mountain dew, you would think it's like sparkling mountain soda, right? Right, right. But it's not, something's added to it. Lots of things are added to okay. it. Okay. Yes. Corn、oh. syrup. Oh, no, corn syrup. All right. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, back to our bamboo shoot.、Okay? Back to our bamboo shoots because, you know, so Taiwan doesn't have a whole lot of dew during the micro season called white dew.、Mm -hmm. So I was thinking maybe we could find some kind of white fruit or vegetable that we could chop up and share. We have a white dude. We got、sitting. a white. <laughs> Is that good? It's an annual joke that we love. Yeah, white, white dude. dude. <laughs> sitting in the studio. <laughs> no white dew, just a white Dude. Okay. All right. So、um, we are going to be、uh, serving up this dewy white dish because it's so hot during this micro season. So we're trying to cool everyone down. Yeah.、Mm -hmm. I always think at this time of year it's going to get cool and then it never really does. No. Remember October? October. The autumn tiger is still crouching there. Chiu Lao Hu, crouching Lao. tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Hidden fall. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Shall we check out what's on our menu? Definitely. Let's do it. In our very first course, we'll tell you all about the white dude. Not the white dude. <laughs> yeah, the white dude. In our second course, A look at some fun uses for bamboo. Ooh, and Ooh. our third and final course will be sampling a refreshing bamboo shoot salad. Mmm, yummy, yummy in the、mm -hmm. tummy. All right, but first we have a song to get、uh, things started here.、Mm -hmm. And I actually found a song called White Dew. Wow. By Lu. Wow. Wow. And it's like a modern song. It's not、oh. by Liu Fuzhu or somebody like that. It's a modern one.、It's、I thought it was、one. like an oldie. An oldie, but a goodie.、Mm -hmm. Now this is a modern song. It's actually by Hush. Ooh. So let's have a listen to this, and when we return in just a moment, our first chorus. White, White dew. Duh. <laughs> 
first course. All right, first course, we're going to talk about why do. Why do, not so why do. So tomorrow, September 8th, marks the beginning of a two-week micro-season known as Bailu, or why do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the do increases, right? Like we said, um, we don't really see do in Taiwan. I think you have to see, you have to go up in the mountains, Mountain. probably, yeah, where it's colder. Yeah, I think you do. Mm. And... Uh, it increases, it should increase day by day in this early fall micro season. And birds begin preparing for the winter. Oh my really? goodness, already so early. Again, I think, you know, if you've been listening to our show, you know that the farmer, the Chinese farmer's almanac was probably directed uh, towards people living in northern China. So I think maybe at this time of the year, you might see birds preparing for winter, mm. but not in Taiwan so much. And also, you should watch out for cooling temperature. Well, extreme temperature morning and night. So, it's it's like, don't like uncover your body too much. Don't forget that cover up, that wrap when you right. go out. So, in the morning and night, it gets cooler. Hey, you know, the, the top three things reminds me of San Francisco weather. I mean, you know, it's interesting because just the other night um, I saw a friend of mine who came in from San Francisco mm -hmm. and she said that she wore a down jacket on her way to the airport. Yes. You Can know, you believe that? 365 days our heaters are turned on at night. <laughs> That's crazy. It gets so cold at night. If you don't have heating system, it's like freezing. You need to have like heavy heavy covers that's amazing so in san francisco it's like you always have to have a jacket with you wow yeah but we wear shorts all year long uh -huh. but we always have like a big hoodie or you know sweatshirt <laughs> or jacket so just by living in san francisco you wear different things than you'd wear in taiwan yeah it's like you really really want to wear like short sleeve mm. but it's just like a few hours during the day. People in Taiwan, I find, like, carry jackets with them all year round, too, because, because of the of air, the air, air con. conditioning. Right. And because people are afraid of getting a suntan. Right. right. The other night, you know, my son was, like, you know, getting his, like, furry jacket out and wear because <laughs> he was sick. He, he was feeling cold. But, you know, he grabbed, like, a jacket. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, I'm so cold. I'm like... Go outside. <laughs> I think you're sick. <laughs> and he is sick. Oh, poor All right? guy. Okay. So another thing that happens during this period of time is the osmanthus flowers are in bloom. Mm. So they say, um, So you can smell the fragrant flowers everywhere. The eighth month in the lunar calendar is called osmanthus month. Oh. Yes, well, okay. that's right, which is ghost month. Right. Whoops. Whoopsies. All right. And pomelos and avocados are now available in the market. Mm, that's right. Pomelos, of course, we eat those during the mid-autumn festival. And we're going to have a right. fun pomelo treat next week, I think. Oh. I'm going to try to make something refreshing, something I've never made before. Pomelos? Mm. No more ice cream. Not ice cream. I might try sorbet. A Didn't you do sorbet, sorbet last time? No? I've never made a sorbet okay, in my entire let's life. Try that. Just for okay. you on shoe. All right. White do bamboo shoes. Okay. Bai Lu Sun are harvested at this time and they are white and tender and muy delicious. Okay. This is a season of also homesickness. Are you getting homesick? I always get homesick. Actually, this is usually when I go home, too. Okay. Back to the States to see the fam. All right. Because of cool weather and mid-autumn festivals. Back to school time, Ellen Chu. Yes. That's what makes me feel homesick. All right. So this is the season that you go back? 
Yeah, usually right. late summer, early autumn.、Mm. Just as、uh, the kids are going back to school, it's、mm-hmm. a good time to save a little money on your plane ticket. That's right. If you go in the middle of summer, forget about it. It's really expensive, okay? Expensive. Taro is in season. Oh, okay. And then also,、um, you can,、uh, what else do you have? Milkfish?、Mm-hmm. Um, people like to eat the belly of the milkfish. Okay. Anyway, so lots of things you can eat at this time of the year. I'm always amazed. I always think that there's going to be like some season where there's nothing available because it's too cold. But year round in Taiwan, we're very lucky. Well, this is like gift from God, you know?、Mm-hmm. There's always things for people to eat, but we need to cherish our environment. Amen, sister. Yes, to keep all these things going. Amen. Or to else、that. maybe one day we will have a season that there's no food. And there's something I want to talk about in a future episode of Feast Meets West because the climate change. So, the,、um, I guess the farmers in Taiwan are having to plant different things than they did like 20, 30 years ago.、Mm-hmm. We're starting to see a lot of Southeast Asian fruits appearing in Taiwan. Okay. But also a lot of the more northern fruits are kind of disappearing because it's getting too hot. Oh, no. Oh, no. Whoops. Indeed. Okay. All right. So, we're going to go into Another song, and what is this song called? This is called Lu Shui Dew Water. <laughs> It's by Xin Xiaoqi. It's Xiao just Qi. Dew, okay? <laughs> just Dew. Xin Xiaoqi. All right, in just a moment, we're going to tell you some fun and surprising uses for bamboo.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> 少寒气，我曾念头，曾渴望能占有你，却用尽我仅有的力气。寻寻觅觅，流连泪，是你一种游戏。遥不可及的星星，是你眼中风景。Second course. Okay, the usages of bamboo. Interesting things that we can learn about bamboo. I'm telling you, it seems like one of those like really amazing、um, products from the earth, which is renewable,、mm-hmm. grows extremely quickly, and has so many different applications. Of course, we're gonna. 
eat them in today's show. All right. But um, you can also do a lot of other things with bamboo. Like? Well, um, let, let's start off by giving people an idea of like what exactly bamboo shoots are. Okay. And what it comes from. Mm-hmm. So the sprouts, of course, that's what the shoots are. Mm. And then it's the largest and tallest uh plant in the grass family and they're consumed all over asian countries like Mm. for example we have china korea japan taiwan thailand philippines indonesia nepal and india so it's everywhere right i thought that was only really eaten in like taiwan china japan no i think you know in many asian countries they do have it but there are records okay again is this world record about the tallest bamboo Mm. Okay, the tallest bamboo, giant bamboo of tropical Southeast Asia can reach up to 50 meters. 50 meters? How tall is that? That's like... That's super tall. That's like a 10-story building. Yep. Am I am I imagining things or is that about no, right? No, that's about right. <laughs> and fastest growing plant in the world. Some species of bamboo can grow up to 92 centimeter per day. My goodness. Does that mean you can see it growing? I know. It's like, ooh. You can watch it. That's, a, that's almost a meter a day, yeah, right? I think they can have a bamboo show. That's incredible. You know, mm. it's funny. When I found this statistic, I, I triple checked it because I thought, how is that possible? Okay, but the it is The actual possible. Guinness Book of World Records website also mm. said 92 centimeters. All right. So that's true. A fact. Oh, my goodness. Largest bamboo orchestra. Okay. 3,011 people played together on October 31st. 2009, Mm -hmm. and in Tongdando, Indonesia, they played the bamboo flute. Wow, 3,000 plus people playing bamboo flute. I wonder if they played it well. (laughs) Well, the Genesis record does not require to do well. You can blow like do, re, mi, fa, so, la, si, do, and that will, you know. That's right. That would be it. That is absolutely right. right? You just have to blow like air through it, technically. Air through it. But, you know, it, it's hard, you know, with a, with any instrument with mouthpiece. Mm. It's not easy to have to make a sound. Mm-mm. You know, like Ryan was doing his, you know, saxophone. And it took him probably maybe five, uh, well, about five days, around a week to really be able to master the correct note. You know, to have the sound to come out. Oh, my goodness. Or else goodness. he was just being... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you for, have, th- for five days. Do you yeah. have a video of him? No. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I should have done it. If he becomes a famous saxophonist, you could, like, show everybody the video of him, like, just, like... <laughs> yeah, you know, I doubt that he will be a famous saxophonist. Maybe he could participate in one of the Guinness's world records. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the okay. words of only a mother could say. Oh, so yeah. so. What other applications other than instruments and eating? What can you think of that you can do with bamboo? Make furnitures mm-hmm. and dust. You know, you know, one of those dusters. Okay. They use the bamboo, you know, stick, and then they put feathers all over it. Yep. And um, chopsticks. Oh, chopsticks. That's a big one, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen flooring made from bamboo too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a really sustainable uh-huh. way to create floors. Or kind of like a uh, like a separate like ping pong. Oh, like a screen. Screen, right? Yeah, like a traditional screen. Uh huh. 
So there used to be this place in Taiwan. There's, it's still there. It's called Zhushan Township mm-hmm. in Nantou County. That's the center of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And it was once home to Taiwan's bamboo industry. But after decades of decline because of the rising popularity of plastic, mm-hmm. um, the industry kind of, uh, it, I guess it, it, it declined because of the plastic. But now it's making a comeback. And uh, that's because people are more concerned about the environment, right? Oh, bamboo. I also thought of something is that you can make little uh, shopping bags, grocery bags out really? of bamboo. It's like they, they slice it really thin. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like the uh, BV, like what the is- Bottega Veneta, you know, <laughs> the, using the letter uh-huh. to... To just make it into entwined. So they weave it? They weave it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. They weave into like bamboo bags. So it's sustainable. It's reusable. Yeah. It's also biodegradable if you ever yes. throw it away. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. So many different things you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we're going to play a report uh, for you now uh, about Jushan Township, which is seeing a bit of a renaissance mm. in its bamboo industry. Let's have a listen. This is one of several factories in Jushan Township, central Taiwan, that produces daily amenities with bamboo. Their products include toothbrushes, cups, purses, and perhaps the most relevant of them all, drinking straws. The factory's owner, Lin Jiahong, said that these products are especially important as the public's environmental consciousness continues to grow. Lin commented on the government's latest ban on plastic straws, saying that the 300 million plastic straws that Taiwanese people consume every year can line up and circle the earth 334 times. He said it is paramount that the public adopts more eco-friendly alternatives. Lin's factory is part of a recovering local industry. Zhushan Township is close to a rich plantation of bamboo and was once the heart of Taiwan's bamboo industry. Bamboo products lost out due to the popularity of cheaper plastic products for many years, but the public's increasing demand for environmentally friendly products has brought new opportunities for these local factories. All right, so just some interesting things. I like the part about plastic straws being replaced by bamboo straws. Yeah, but I'm just wondering because sometimes the inside of the bamboo get moisture and then they'll have fungus. Oh, fungus among us. Molded, right? Mm. You you see that a lot of times when it's moist and Mm -hmm. then you see the green stuff growing. So maybe they have to coat it with something in order Mm -hmm. for it to work Mm -hmm. well. And I hope that is like healthy. We'll find out, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're okay. going to go into another song. What is this song called, Alan Trill? This song is called, uh, well, it's called the Bamboo Shoots. And it's by Cyril Aimé. Oh. And we're going to be sampling a bamboo shoot salad when we return. All right.
third course with a bamboo shoot salad wow this is amazing you know normally when i go to restaurants they serve it with mayo that's right right like they they have a sweet mayonnaise which i think it's kind of like a japanese mayonnaise mm. and they squeeze it all over the top it's so yummy and this one is um with we used a sesame sauce a roasted sesame sauce it's good is it good mm-hmm mm. and these bamboo are really fresh right and Bamboo shoot salad are quite expensive, actually. Mm. Right? The bamboo shoots themselves are really expensive. Mm-hmm. I've spent probably, for two small shoots, I paid about 200 NT. Really? Yeah. And sometimes mm. you can pay even more, up to like four or 500 NT for really beautiful, nice, fresh shoots. Because I really like it, you know. Mm. It's yummy, okay? But... There are good things about them. High in fiber. Mm-hmm. Proteins are low in fat, sugar, mm-hmm. and calories, okay? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people eat them to lose weight, mm-hmm. okay? And also it strengthens, increase, boost up your immune system. That's wow. Right. I mean, it's pretty amazing for something to have such a little amount of fat, sugar, or calories and to be so high in fiber and protein. It's and really one thing good. is interesting, I never knew that useful in curing snake and scorpion bites. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That's what organicfacts.net says. But, oh, you know, God. I think everything you have to take it with a grain of I salt. I think if you get bit, you know, go to the hospital first, you know. Immediately. If, don't try to, like, bring bamboo shoots. Like, oh, let's try it out, you know. Rub bamboo shoots no. on it. No, okay. Eat bamboo shoots on okay. the way to the hospital. <laughs> and reduces risk of cancer. Well, it's, it boosts up your immune system, so it helps, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of these things you definitely want to, like, consult your doctor. You don't want to just read everything on the internet and assume it's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but these are what some people are saying about this. Mm. Um, it's supposed to be also be good for um, heart. heart health, effective against respiratory diseases. Mm. Um, but I know that it's delicious. Crunchy. I'm eating it all. And sesame. I need to share with do you like the plating? I did a little bit I of plating. Mm-hmm. So I like chopped it up into little chunks, spread it mm-hmm. across the plate. Yeah. And we have the little tips of the bamboo shoots. This is yummy. Mm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Okay. I can eat this whole day. Mm. Okay. There's plenty more where it came from, Ellen Chu. I know. We should like, you know, eat it. And I'm not afraid of mosquito bites. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> mosquito bites. Mm. They stop mosquitoes. 
I don't know. It could cure, you know, snake bites and scorpion bites. You know, mosquito bites should be okay, too. Okay. Whatever you say, Ellen Chu. That's right. I don't to- believe any internet rumors. Okay. That was like one internet rumor that I just made. All right. Thank you. Fake right. news. Fake it's news. so in vogue. Okay. <laughs> So our address is Ellen Chu. Our address is P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org. What's next week? Next week, I'm going to attempt to make a sorbet. I'm a little nervous because I've never made one before. Okay. Um, will it be just a big block of ice? Or? Or will it be a delicious pomelo-flavored uh, scoop of yum? We'll see. We will see next week okay. on The Feast. All right, one final song today. And this final song is called... <laughs> wow, Bamboo Hala. Hala, like Hala at your boy. Right? Okay. All right. And this is by Dan Bao. For Feast You Sass, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Lon Chu. See Bye-bye. you next week. Bye-bye. It's called Bamboo Hala For my brother from different mother This is my Yes, Yeah, this is how we talk这样的用法也我们研发不是语言学家但发展新的可能有我本人介绍这故事就要回到高中的学校的生活现在跟我来 From the London Underground to the Taipei Metro, the people of our world are going places. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. 
Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.